0: Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology podcast featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goals provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Like our silver supporter, Mind Media. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit mindmedia.com now. So should we good cop, bad
1: cop him or what? Oh,
2: no. It's all
0: good cop with John. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah. He's a a good guy.
0: There's no need to poke at him i hear he's a good guy
2: are you poking? Yeah, I, at, are you poking at me before i got here ah i was <laughs> we, we were
1: just kidding around
2: okay here
1: we're gonna let him in okay should we good cop that, cop him or how should we handle this thing? i'm in i'm in already
2: guys i'm in already guys oh you're looking good well, you know, thank you, good sir. You know, I keep working on my beard. Uh, Beard's a little short, but other yeah, than that, I, I, you that's mind. what I was going to say. I, it's it's aspirational. I appreciate the, uh, the <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the love, uh, John. John, please
0: help me with your last name.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that's always a stumbler. Rutt. It's really simple. Mech Rut. and we have <laughs> Doctor
0: Marie with us. <laughs> Uh, John, do
3: you... and the program is on pronunciation skills.
0: <laughs> well, I'm from Chicago, inner city, and I got this dialect. I, I've had it for two, three decades, and it's, <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard to hard to pick up.
2: Yeah, I think I saw you on Saturday Night Live with the Chicago Bears bits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I still so, don't so, understand. I still don't understand a hot dog with tomatoes on it. That's that escapes me.
0: As long as you don't put ketchup on it, it's okay. <laughs> I'm with
2: you. you. Get beat,
0: you'll get beat up. I'm, I'm
2: <laughs> a, no ketchup, but I do like tomatoes.
3: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fair see, enough.
2: see, it's like a thing. I, I, it's. I, I'm from New York. You know, it's sauerkraut and mustard. That's it. That's good Forget too. Yeah, you know, stay-
3: variation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You just I'm from Fargo. Pizza. If you
1: got food, you ate it. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moose.
2: Yeah, moose. Oh my God. Well, it's nice to meet you guys, Jay. You, I know Pete. I've seen you, obviously, Marie. Uh, Mari, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh you. I don't know. So it's a pleasure to meet you.
3: Same here. Same. Here. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, we, we've asked Dr. Marie to uh, hop on. She
0: has a, that awesome book iMinds, Minds, and she's a big internet addic- addiction uh, <laughs> person. And uh, she, we, we've done a lot of shows together, and uh, she's a pip, John, a real pip. I, I love it. And, and anytime we have a, she has a space open for us. We're gonna please welcome her on the show to keep Jay and I in in line.
2: <laughs> exactly exactly i'm with you well i'm listen i'm hoping for are we recording already yeah all right you'll Absolutely. edit you'll, you'll edit out whatever the hell you don't want oh, whatever the heck sure. you don't want uh, in the in the podcast um i'll try to keep my mouth in control I, I would love to chat with you with all of you about you know my my uh goal in coming on here was talk about integrative practices the sort of vis- the visibility that i perceive I, I was just listening to uh to your podcast with um with Andrew Hill. And I think, Jay, you said something about the penetration that we all, I think that we all perceive as practitioners, the penetration of the concept of neurofeedback culturally. Uh, I has, you know, I've been doing this, what, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. And I remember when I first started, it was like neurofeedback. What is that? At least now people are calling up saying, oh, you know, I know about it. I heard about it. A friend of mine did it, whatever. They've got some frame of reference, if not a specific, at least vague. I've literally had a guy call me and ask me what equipment I used. So, there are people out there who are highly informed about the the you know the machinery and the and the techniques that are being used out there in the world. But I, I think we're kind of at an inflection point. I'm hoping we're at an inflection point where people are starting to understand the integrative nature of their health and where and how neurotechnologies can fit into that platform. I have a love-hate relationship with the word biohacking. Uh, there's a there's a subtle implication in it that there's some shortcut to all of this. When I think all of us in the in the practice of uh, changing brain behaviors understand there are no shortcuts. Um, well, maybe maybe electroconvulsive therapy, but <laughs> that's for a different day. But in in traditional form, there really is no shortcut to any of this. You know, it's a it's a full frontal attack. You want to be healthy. It's a full frontal attack on every aspect of your life, from your psycho spiritual world to your below the neck world and its connection to your above the neck world. I'm using your metaphor from a couple of days ago, Pete, uh, because I really like the above the (laughs) below the neck thing. And, And it is all of a whole. You know, Descartes was wrong in that regard. Yeah, you know, it is an interconnected system. And my affection for functional medicine, let's just say it in the, in the largest sense, comes from, I think, their deep core belief that there's a root cause for everything. And I think our Western cultural approach, be it through allopathic medicine or who knows where it derived from, probably historically from shamans and witches and et cetera, that there is some top down authority that's going to give us the answer to our ills when the, it's in here. We we be, we know best, all of us know best what's best for us and we know what's going to fit in and how, and how things should work. And we get lulled into this. Well, here, I'll go to this doctor, I'll get diagnosed with this thing, and he's going to, and you're going to get a pill, and the symptoms are going to just disappear magically, and you're going to be great. Well, we all know that's nonsense because 30 years later, you're back in our office going, Why can't I get off my benzodiazepines? So if we all, if we can culturally approach it uh, from a self empowerment perspective, I think our job now as neurofeedback providers writ large is to help the culture take a shift. It is already happening. It's not going to be us necessarily. Everybody's out of here. It's not going to be just us. The functional medicine community is well aware of this thought process. And that's what attracted me to them because they speak in a language that's that's not um, disempowering, I guess is probably the flip side of saying it that way. I'm the doctor. I know best. Do this. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. You know, if I've got a broken leg, yes, please set my, you know, give me a cast, you know, etc. If I've got, uh, you know, a tumor, please perform surgery and remove the tumor. Um, But health is so much bigger than that. And and I think that's our job as neurofeedback providers is to start to make this bridge. I can go into how we did it in, in our clinic or how we did it, how we're doing it. It's a multi-year, probably multi-decade process. Um, I hope to live, live to see the end of it. Um, but I see that there is a shift happening culturally. I think more people who come to see me are either have a functional doctor, they know what that is, they've been to one, they've got a regimen, they've got some knowledge base about how their diet affects their mood, they've got some sensibility about it, may not be perfectly formed yet, but at least they have the beginnings of that appreciation. Uh, The days of, and I'll share my own personal pain in this because I thought I was that guy, of being an electrician to fix your brain. (laughs) You know, it's like that's how I thought I was. I thought I was a technician. I thought I was the guy who was going to tweak all the little circuit. Then everything was going to go on about your life, completely uh, disregarding the the underlying reality of well, how do you sleep? What's your life like? Are you in an abusive relationship? Is your boss an idiot? You know what? What's your connection to your to your community? Do you go out in nature at all? What do you eat? <laughs> you know all the things that make us a full human being. Uh, are, are, if they're unattended, I can play with your brainwaves probably till the end of time, and it's not going to give you what you're looking for. We, our our skill set is not magical. It is, but it's not, you, you know what I'm saying, it's not magic in that sense of it's the fix. Neurofeedback isn't the fix. It's one of the things you need to be doing. Those are the clients that I can immediately tell if we have in the conversation yeah, I'm looking for you to fix me up. Mm, okay, this is going to be a tough road. And I, I may not take them on as a client because they don't, they, they're not at that point yet where they understand what it is I do in our clinic. And I, I'm hopefully many other clinics do as well. But how to apply the, the holistic frame of how, how are you going to be the best version of yourself? You mean
1: optimum performance? This is it just the absence of pathology?
2: yeah
3: (laughs) there you go there you go and you know just uh, you know piggybacking what you were saying about um uh, you know what i'd like to say is going to the right body part at this point you know instead of going to a pill yeah there's something in your brain and we want to help you with um but same thing if you if you break your leg you know you have to set the thing before you give a pill <laughs> okay but exactly. if you set the thing and give a pill is that enough so i could you know if we're going to play with metaphors is this a form of physiotherapy for the brain right yeah. you know how do you, how do you you realize something isn't working quite well and then coming at it from multiple angles but same thing what you're saying the the one client that is typically the most difficult um, is a parent that comes in and just says, fix my kid, and then goes for a latte. Uh-huh, you yep, so. yep.
2: I, we we all, in, cl- in clinic work, I've seen it rep- repetitive times. Yeah. And I, I we, we try, in our clinic, we try to engage the parents yeah. using that as a, as a, for instance, we have a functional medicine health coach, comes as part of our program. Mm-hmm. And some people avail themselves you know, religiously with it and some not so much, you know, everybody's human Uh, with the kids. We'll just dump, we'll dump that relationship off on the parents because I think you and I both know it's a lot of times it's the parents who should be sitting in the chair.
3: (laughs) You know what my most valuable piece of equipment is in my office? Your brain. (laughs) That's the, that's that's the,
2: that's the easy call. How about about the second one? The, I'll second, the most important piece of equipment uh, in your office. Not well, my I,
3: brain, and it's not the computer that I do the interview. No,
2: with. no, 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 of course not. It, well, I, I was going to say your mouth, your ability to communicate with your clients.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's a couch. It's a, a cou- person couch. Yeah. Um, so that you know essentially you 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 frequently or I frequently invite the parent in. Uh so they're they're a part of things and you integrate the, the the parent. Sometimes they're just sitting there reading. Um, but when there's some kind of a learning opportunity um for a parent or something uh is going on, I can just um, immediately turn to the parent and and demonstrate or have the child repeat something or point something out as opposed to going out into the waiting room and doing the report to the parent um, but you probably also john you know you well, might you, even want to speak to is when is a parent appropriate in the treatment room versus when it doesn't work well you've got me redesigning my office now sorry mm-hmm. so i don't have a couch in
2: my uh treatment base oh. they're too small but that's a really interesting idea i frankly hadn't thought of that i'm okay. not a psychotherapist so understand that you know ours is completely just technically oriented yeah. um so you know there it isn't a, a therapeutic relationship that i'm having with an adult or a child for that matter yeah. um but you got me thinking that's not a bad idea bring the parent into the treatment room so they can say well what are they going to do while they got the kids got the headphones on and yeah. watching, uh, you know, um, Harry Potter. I'm not sure what the parents going to do, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> from an observational, you know, to have them witness, you know, the the reality of what doing neurofeedback is actually like could be mm-hmm. very useful because you're right. It's a disconnected, they drop their kid off and you're right. They go for a latte. They go to, you know, yeah. <laughs> oddly, we encourage them sometimes to do it. They take their Ralph's run or their uh, Costco run while mm-hmm. they're leaving their kid with us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I like this idea. I'm going to steal that.
1: You know, of the famous people, of me. the famous people in our field, one of the famous folks who's perhaps because she's passed a while ago now is is, is being slowly kind of forgotten uh, for her contribution. But Judith Lubar uh, brought the idea that if you've got a kid in therapy, get the family in therapy. Yeah. The kid didn't fall far from the tree, you know, as an apple, and you, you know, you've got to you know, assume that, you know, whatever is going on with a kid has some impact on the family, and that the interaction with the family ends up being a part of how you're going to have to get this kid well. Yeah, and and she emphasized that in a in a field that was more like what you said, like electronic technicians making tweaks, mm-hmm. um, and and she she focused you step back and focus Said, there's a family action going on here that we really have to focus on. Yeah. And that's for
3: bringing it, that it, up, it, Jay. I think that's a that's a key. Some of our uh, foremothers and forefathers, the, the, the groundbreaking integration work that they were doing with the, uh, the family. But sometimes I think the key is the family doesn't even know you're doing it. And there's a little bit of a magic in there. And this is, this,
1: our field does but, have a little bias towards the males in the field when they talk about the field. Mm-hmm. And we also are a little shy on pigment, it, you know, our, our our field is, you know, on screen even, yeah. you know, what, you know, I, 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 I'm not claiming to be part Native American. I'm not, you know, I don't have anything other than some weird German in me, you know, and German mixed with German what a mistake, you know? So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but our field needs to uh, uh, look to the richness of Barbara Brown and, uh, you know, Elmer and Elise Green, not just Elmer Green and, yeah. you know, uh, Judith Lubar and Susan and, Othmer, John was trained. By exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This, there is a whole list of, famous people who end up kind of being on a separate list. And mm-hmm. and although yes, Burbaumer and Lubar and Sturman and you know and Camilla are are kind of you know major founding F1 generation. Yeah. If you want to think in terms of kind of the the genetic, you know, passing on of the knowledge here, they're an F1 generation. There's a bunch of F2 we're 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 getting into the era where another crop of young you know uh, uh, folks are coming up and uh, forming the F three next generation of of leaders and it's exciting to see and and internationally it's not quite as um, ethnocentric or male centric mm-hmm. um, the uh, the italian and and uh, spanish society um they, they have their own you know feedback uh, biofeedback societies and uh, they're you know i've i've lectured to them and those groups are uh, uh you know quite solidly being run um, and and administered by uh, by the women so um we we can't be quite so uh, buried in you know, the, 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 centric, um, you know, uh, perception here.
2: I yeah. Think. That's, that's interesting. Cause I, I would guess, and I don't know if anybody's ever done a study on this or, or, or broken it down. I would suspect that most people doing neurofeedback clinic work are female.
3: No. Well, I mean, I guess it's passage of time as well. Um, I mean, I think most people know I'm second gen, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, when I, Started to attend all of the meetings, there were very, very few females. Um, and when there were females, they were paired, meaning they they tended to be spouses. Um, so the Lubars, obviously, uh the Thompsons, the Othmers. Um, I'm in a father-daughter uh, pairing, um, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, I mean, this is just a huge cultural bias. I'm really happy. Uh, I mean, I don't mind disclosing my age. I'm I'm in my fifties, and yeah, you know, it's time to stop getting out of the shadows. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that cultural bias, but Jay, piggybacking what you were saying at uh, BFE this year, I was overjoyed in Italy to see really sharp minded, I'm going to be ages now, young females, they weren't young, they were just younger than me. Um, <laughs> but it was just just beautiful to see that um, coming up and picking up. But the one thing again, Jay that we're missing, um, I'm big haired, but I don't have that tight, tight, tight curl uh, most people of uh, of African descent, but that's a major, major flaw in terms of our equipment. So um, we don't have a huge black population up here in Vancouver, Canada, but we certainly have a significant one. Um, and I would say that's probably about 5% of our, our practice. Um, and we've developed very special uh, techniques. Uh, to be able to part extremely springy hair um, to be able to do our work and there's something wrong that we need a special technique so I have a call out there to anybody making equipment um, for it to work on um, you know all all of us shall we say and the fact that we had a problem with just my big curly hair
2: Right. Yeah, there was a there was a, a series of a string of posts on, on the neurofield list about a woman who had a full weave. Yes. Yeah. From from the front of her scalp all the way down to the back of her head, full mm-hmm. head, just strips upon. I don't know enough about hair waving to comment, but it was yeah. evidently strips all the way down. They could not figure out a way to get the sensors under, around, through nightmare. You've got to get away
3: because I figured a few things out, but it's—I it, 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 mean—it takes twice as long, right? Yeah. It takes now, I'm with two now, lovely as, balding as people, men, I know as, so
2: it's like
1: as <laughs> people of color are entering our field, some mm-hmm. of them enter into the traditional medical EG field, mm-hmm. and the medical EG field has the same problem yeah. with the clients who come in with, shall we say, big hair. Yeah. Um, or we cornrows, or oh, yeah. um, or dreadlocks, and there's actually a, a, a solution from people of color in the traditional medical field that's that's been developed. I've seen it online. Uh, they're they're little clamps, mm-hmm. and and you can imagine a, a cornrow on on the scalp, and this little clamp basically clamps. Mm-hmm. And the bottom of it is solar chloride. And oh, uh, you put some, oh. uh, you squirt some gel at the spot okay. that you want to, to contact. and You just clamp this sucker on there. Do uh, you know, this? If you're lucky, you've got a corro along every line <laughs> of, of electrodes. But if you're not lucky, you got to be a little creative. You know, there there are solutions being uh, provided and they're coming up through traditional as well as our less than fully traditional EEG approach. I mean, you know, we don't, you know, just do, you know, photic and hyperventilation and eyes closed and open the eyes to see if they react. And that's the study, you know, so uh we, we, yeah our, our approach is a bit different and for a different purpose um but we're 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 harnessed with some of the same physical uh challenges and um there are solutions that are being offered at this point you if you look uh, uh look around online uh, you'll find these again it, it looks they're kind of like the, the uh well, you've got big hair. You probably have put it back, and you've got one of those big clamps. Uh, no, actually, I mean for
3: anybody who's interested, you, essentially, um, you you use you don't work against the hair. You you use the hair. Okay. Yes. Now, my my hair does not have that the the, the spring. Uh, so frequently, if you if you don't correctly, uh, literally maneuver the electrode in, and then you use the hair to you use the the spring in reverse to keep the electrode in place. Okay, uh, but otherwise, if you place if you place the the electrode in the way that you would with a, a traditional um, a white person with very thin, um, not necessarily thick hair, I mean, it's just so easy. Scrub to plop done. Okay, nice. uh, but here you you kind of uh, you weave in and you really build a home for the electrode within the hair, and then it stays.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. I knew the ElectroCap International would end up being kind of boofed out. Um, no way. No uh, way. And, yeah. yeah. You know, so
3: so we, we um, shunt a little bit in there um is is, is, yeah. is a method, but I'm so happy to hear that uh that there are there are going to be official uh easier um ways to serve uh um a huge, huge population that deserves yeah. it to say the least. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go search that out and find those. I that's that's great because I've had a few clients with yeah. rose and weaves and yeah, it, it, there's some challenge there.
1: There's a traditional EEG tech list serve um, on on Facebook that ends up, uh, you know, EEG and neuro tech uh, folks, and it popped up on there, and I thought, you know, that looks interesting. I you know drilled down into it and saw kind of what they were using, and mm-hmm. again, it's it, it's it's clever because you you clamp to get to the bottom of it and. You've got gel underneath it. All you have to have is a salt bridge, so it ends up being a very nice solution. Nice, and, um, it, and it's a problem for our fuel. Yeah. And uh, it, I think there's solutions on the way. So. And and for the, the, when go, when I started, think? we used needles.
3: <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember a poor gentleman that I absolutely tortured once. I felt so guilty, but. Um, you know, had lost his hair centuries ago, it seems. So the the, the skin on the scalp was just so uh, tough and we just couldn't get a connection. So the blunt needling just to, oh, yeah. uh, poor soul, poor soul. But, you know, the, the industry um, has faced these issues because of, because of our variation, right? So, you
1: know. So Julian Isaacs, who I don't know if all of you remember Julian, but uh, Julian has... Uh, all of the hair that you never had is, mm-hmm. is you know, has, is, he has none. I mean, there's absolutely no hair on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has hair in his ears and his <laughs> nostrils, but there's nothing on the top of his head. Barry Sturman did a prep on him one time with the <laughs> electrocap, and you know, the if you don't, the, the the reason that there isn't any hair is sebum, the uh, the waxy oily substance, and that shine on the head. Is insulation. If you put gel on top of it and scratch through it, you get good impedance, but you lift your needle tip, the, the monolayer of the the insulation forms and your gel is floating up on top of this greasy layer. So you, you can't get good contact except when you're touching the skin. So... Um, if you don't wipe down, you know, you can tell there's going to be a strip of electrodes down the middle, and and you know, in lines and go across a couple lines, kind of scrub off what you can of the sebum, mm-hmm. and and at that point do your prep. Well, the Brillo pad. Well, out. Poor Barry didn't do that, oh. and poor oh. Julian. The next day, you could tell from little tiny scabs oh. where every single one of the electrodes were. And in a hospital setting, you'd be written up for that yeah. because those are all fungal infection points potentially, yeah. and you know people can have really severe, nasty side effects from having their scalp shredded like that. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, and,
2: and and to to the point of the bald headed people, of which I'm rapidly approaching full bald headedness, uh, the heat transfer, uh, you know, the hair dissipate some of the heat coming off the head with somebody who's bald. After 10 minutes you're finding the sensors are slipping down the side of their head. <laughs> Probably somewhat sebum certainly, but some of it just heat. It's melted yeah. it's melted the paste. <laughs> you seem to reapply it again.
0: It's- hey John, I want to get in here before I forget cuz yeah. we're we're doing things the opposite here. This is the first time you've been on the show. Right. And you have a very interesting story uh, about the reason why you got into neurofeedback. Oh, I'd love for you to touch on it and maybe also include uh, Susan Oth- Othmer and the training that you got, you sure. know, her recent passing and whatnot. We'd love to hear
2: about it. Sure. No, no, I'd be happy to. It, it, it was occurring to me as most things happen in the shower this morning. <laughs> That's where all my best thinking is done. Um um, that I've been an advocate of integrated practices for longer than I'd imagined, and this is the story, uh, was a, a, a pursuit for um, finding some solutions for my daughter. My daughter's on the spectrum and uh, was a late diagnosis. We always knew, you know, she didn't hit her milestones appropriately, but she also, she always kind of hit them until school. And now in school, second, first, second grade, things really started just to collapse for her. Uh, not at school, they never got a an outburst they never had a problem all the behavior stuff happened at home and we we would go to ieps and tell these stories about how she acted and they were like (laughs) so my daughter um would have all these outrageous behaviors at home and we couldn't quite figure it out so we had a bunch of diagnoses about this that and the third thing and uh we finally the the final diagnosis that was i think the most appropriate was pdd nos pervasive developmental delay not otherwise specified and we're like yeah that's a match <laughs> it's, it's it's pervasive it's a developmental delay and you don't know what it's from okay good i can work with that so in our search for finding uh, some solutions for her of course we did absolutely everything and that's why i'm 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 always hesitant to say oh, neurofeedback fixed her. No, it didn't. Neurofeedback was one of the tools that I think gave her brain the platform to be able to understand the learning that was happening in the other therapies that she was doing. OTPT, mm-hmm. fast forward, yada, 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 uh, speech and language. So she did all of those things all at once. I, this isn't a science experiment. This is my own kid. And I would relate it to anybody who's thinking about doing neurofeedback in addition to other things they're doing. It's the same thing. There's no single fix to all of this. It all is kind of the point. It's holistic. It is everything. Do it all. Change your diet as best you can. My daughter never successfully changed her diet adequately. It's still a struggle for her today. But the the neurofeedback Component of the therapies that we were doing, I would have to ascribe had the most potency, not because inherently it's better than any of the others, but it's foundational. To when you would go to an occupational therapist and are asked to do a sequence of events, if your brain can't figure out how to successfully parse those out, A, B, C, D, this is what I do for a second third, well, that occupational therapy is not going to be 100% successful. It's going to take much too much energy and repetition for the therapist to get the client, my daughter, to perform adequately. Same is true in any of the other therapies. So I do ascribe a, a fundamental quality to the neurofeedback training on propelling her uh, forward uh, if and I, I, I also say we fell into psychopharmacology because that's what was recommended by the developmental pediatrician so she was on six different tribes Lamictal and Risperdal and uh, you just get out of the way she, we tried them all and uh, yeah did they work yeah they worked as designed you know they dulled her symptomatology to the point where she was robotic uh, the, the, the real crucial moment for us and I have to take a breath whenever I tell this story, was we're sitting at at a holiday event. And there's my daughter, serendipitously placed squarely in the center of all the children. And they're all singing their little song about the Christmas tree or the whatever. And my daughter is just blankly looking around, not participating at all, I probably, I don't know what was going on internally, but probably like, where am I? What's this about? What am I doing? Looking for cues from others as to how she should behave. And and, I just, I, and I, I'm just looking at my wife going, I don't care what we have to do. This is pre-everything. I don't care what we have to do. This is not it. This cannot be her future. If this medical management of behavior results in this, I, I'd rather the other stuff. You, you bring it on. You know, the wild behaviors running across the street, not looking, you know, just overloaded sensory systems that she would explode. I'll take that over this. So that started our journey to find uh, things to do for her. We were already doing some of the therapies and they just weren't working. It's no surprise. She was doped up and uh, the neurofeedback slipped in underneath and brought her, her, her brain performance to a level where we got her off all her meds. She hadn't been on a med in 15 years. You know, does she still have autism? I don't know. Who cares? You know, she's functional. She has an apartment. She has a dog. She has a job. You know, she has friends if for all intents and purposes. I think she'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed in a few minutes to think that there was anything uh, of note with her. You drill down a little bit and you realize she has still some challenges, of course. Don't we all? Um, so that journey with neurofeedback and we did a couple of different kinds. i worked with uh, we worked with an ILF provider whose name is escaping me at the moment. That was one of our early uh, ones. We worked with joy Lunt doing traditional QEG based training. And uh, we were like, okay, this is kind of magical. I don't know what's going on here. I, you know, I didn't know enough about neurofeedback to, to swing a cat, but it was sort of like whatever's going on here, something's going on. Uh, Cause we could see the changes in her. And, all of this, again, was happening all at the same time, <laughs> getting her off her meds, giving some her feedback, yada, yada. So she did, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, hours, who knows, uh, dozens, let's say dozens of hours. This is very specific to spectrum for anybody listening. Spectrum is, I think, a separate issue from a lot of the conditions, quote unquote, that present to us in clinics uh, because it is so uh, broadly based and. I said, OK, I, I got to figure out how to do this. It, it came from a relatively selfish perspective. I cannot afford to do neurofeedback at the level that she needs I, financially. I, this will I'd have to take a second mortgage. I'd have to get another job because um, I could see that there were hundreds of hours probably ahead of us to get where I wanted her to go. Then, um, assuming that she wanted to go to the same place. But she was a kid, so I didn't ask her. Um, so but uh, we discovered uh, the Othamers. And the Othamers at that moment, it's not true today anymore, um, were allowing parents like myself to come in and do trainings and buy equipment. Um, and I grabbed the opportunity and, went, and said to my wife, I'm going to go learn how to do this. I think it's really interesting, and I'll just do it. my daughter at home. That was my goal. I'll get this equipment. I'll get the training. I'll figure out how to do it. QEG was an unknown landscape for me. I didn't know enough about it. And and now in retrospect, it was a wise choice. I could not have done what I think QEG analytics and protocol planning requires. It's very serious. The ILF machinery is so perfectly designed for somebody like me um, that... You know, the the placements are relatively simple. In, in in that regard, because it comes from a different paragraph. I don't want to go too deep into the differences between QBG and ILF, but for anybody listening, they come from completely different spaces with the same goal in mind, self-regulation. Um, but it was easy enough to use that I could figure out how to apply this correctly. So the authors very gratefully allowed me into their community, even though I didn't have a master's in a medical field. I wasn't a psychotherapist. I wasn't a doctor. Uh, and, and I've taken—I can't—I've lost track of how many content courses I've taken with them over the years. But I—I—I I, I say out loud, Sue and Siegfried have allowed me the space to do what I do. Uh, they've allowed me into a community that I value, and that I think this community writ large is doing some of the best work to raise human condition the brain can brain start with brain to raise the competency of humans this is really the most direct access that anybody's going to have to how they operate this and i just i'm beyond grateful to the authors
0: john thank goodness that for 30 days a year people pay attention to mental health awareness and we are (laughs) In that third, in that thirty days, right now, now, if you don't have degrees, you have degrees. There's certain things that you can say and can't say. I get it, but you having a daughter that was on the spectrum, what somebody's going to say? What can neurofeedback do for autism? And if I put a clip out there and ask you, John, what can neurofeedback do for autism? What would you say?
3: Pete, can I just jump in, please? Uh, And I'm going to apologize and not apologize. Okay. Um, I think this is extremely important in our field and our Achilles heel. So, first of all, I want to say, John, bless you. Absolutely bless you in the journey you've been on. Um, and I know parents do some beautiful things um from hearts, from desperation, what have you. Um, and I think you're you're one of the success stories, and you're also, I'm projecting of a generation where things are a little bit different. But I would say for every story like John and his daughter, there are probably a thousand absolute disasters of individuals who, um, uh, you know, essentially go and work on their own children. Um, And we have seen such train wrecks, you know, ruination of, of, of children. Um, I would say you're also I'm going to project in terms of your daughter's age. This 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 was a, a time within our practice where the community was very small. Um, and when individuals without certain degrees, et cetera, uh, were welcomed in, you were you were followed. You were I hate to say disciples, but, you know, there it was it was a very different era. Um, and I think we're really remiss not to mention that, uh, because if an individual goes out, takes a workshop, buys a piece of equipment, and 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 works on a child with some, you know, severe issues or even not severe issues. Um, that, you know, please be cautious. And I, I even goes as, as severe and in 2023, do not treat your own child. There's so many people out there, but I I don't want that to take away from your story. No, no, <laughs> uh,
2: Mari, I, I, I absolutely appreciate what you're saying. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I agree. This, yeah. yeah, this, yeah, anybody listening, don't take my experience and just translate it directly to yourself. Uh, it, I, you know, maybe it's just my particular brain spout. I approach this with, I, I think, the appropriate amount of caution. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a cowboy, you know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of techniques that I so do. not John, use. I'm not
3: asking you to defend your decision. No, 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 no. I understand. I, I, I you know. I appreciate. Era. No, I I appreciate um, that, you're- and you're. Yeah, yeah I, I, and you're correct. But there are
2: biohackers out there on this planet right now buying equipment, attaching 9-volt batteries to it and driving brain behavior. I think that's kind of crazy. I really do. Uh you know, it, it's it's your brain. To do experimentation on your own brain, okay, putting aside your child, but to do 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 experimentation on your own brain is perilous. You don't if you don't know really what you're doing. I have literally spent hundreds and hundreds of hours really delving into the, the the framework around this work because i am mindful that i do not have a neuroscience degree you know i mean i've taken neuroanatomy courses because i need to know about neuroanatomy not because i'm going to be a neuroanatomist but i think it informs a lot of the things that i do so i think your your comment is cautionarily appropriate yeah, yeah this isn't and this and isn't and you, for you started
1: the... you started with a supervision of an actual you know, clinician. I mean, Joy Lunt's uh, uh, RN and extremely well experienced in the field. She's uh, 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 yeah. a foundational member of the uh, organizations at this
2: point. Exactly, exactly. Um, and
1: exactly. and um, in my approach with intractable epilepsy, because we expect 100 or more sessions in intractable epilepsy. I mean, the medication has been shown not to work. They're proposing right. brain surgery. And if you don't want to have your brain snipped up, uh, this is your last chance. And you know it's going to take over hundred sessions. After twenty or so sessions in an office, you know your protocol is kind of set properly, and the parents have learned kind of where the electrode sites that you're intending to hook up are, and they've seen the operation of the equipment. Um, if if they if the parent is sharp enough and uh, you can end up having them do training sessions at home. That's you know, a, that's a remote right model.
3: Right, right now, I, I
1: could yeah. uh, you, you could give me control over your computer, Pete, by assigning me control of it, and I can see you and where the electrodes are. And you know, the the therapist can still be involved at a distance uh, to make sure sessions are going okay. And if things go really well for a number of sessions, then. Send the data in afterwards so I can see that the sessions are still going well. If I see something change, we can set up a session where I'm monitoring it again. But, you know, I, uh, uh, we just published uh, this last month, Isabella, uh, which is her actual name. Uh, the, uh, uh, sh- she wanted her story in print because now that she's graduated with honors from Baylor University, after a four-year tennis scholarship, uh, when she was uh, eight, she started having brain problems. When she was 13, she was diagnosed with intractable epilepsy, and they told her they wanted to cut her brain up. But she's, you know, uh, they, they got off all the meds. Uh, she stopped having seizures based on the training. Uh, she got a full-ride tennis scholarship at Baylor graduated with honors. Now she wants to tell people about the process. And, you know, that neurofeedback can give hope to people with intractable epilepsy. But she's done over 500 sessions. And, you know, how, what's the logistics of driving to your office for 500 times? I mean, goodness gracious, the gas cost itself would be (laughs) prohibitive. Exactly. Uh, The, 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 Carbon pollution would be a guilt trip, you know, so um, uh, uh, having parents involved in the training in supervised settings in an appropriate circumstances is actually the way we think that the epilepsy application needs to go.
0: The NeuroNoodle podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. MindMedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit mindmedia.com now.